Welcome to Hub and Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub and Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription-based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of NGI's Hub & Flow podcast. This is Patrick Rao, NGI's Director of Strategy and Research, and today I'm going to spend a few minutes discussing some of the things we'll be looking out for during the upcoming third quarter 2021 North American Natural Gas Earnings Conference Call season that will get going in earnest when Halliburton reports on Tuesday, October the 19th. As a reminder, you can follow our earnings coverage in our Daily Gas Price Index, Shale Daily, and LNG Insight publications in particular. If you're a subscriber to one or more of those, we thank you. But if not, we invite you to check out our website at www.naturalgasintel.com and request a free trial. Okay, with that, let's dive right into the topic du jour in the energy industry right now, which is the current global energy supply crunch. And actually, it's really not much of a stretch to say that this is one of the main topics around global news desks all around the world, just general news. Natural gas prices recently approached $40 per MMBTU in Europe and Asia, as that part of the world prepares for a potential shortage in gas supply this winter. Now, some of that momentum has carried over to the U.S. as well, where the November Henry Hub Futures contract broke above $6.30 per MMBTU on October the 5th, before falling back below $5.50 in recent days. Now, of course, the U.S., we can really only do so much to address these international supply concerns in the short term, especially since we're already running our LNG export facilities near maximum capacity. Coke Point just did come off maintenance, and Sabine Pass's Train 6, as well as Venture Global's Calcasieu Pass facilities, are expected to come online here in the fourth quarter. Those will all help a bit, but will really only move the needle so much in the short term. Now, to us, the bigger question is is how much will U.S. producers or how will U.S. producers respond to these higher natural gas prices here in the weeks ahead? Now, investors, hey, they always start clamming producers for their next year CapEx plans around this time. And producers, they always punt that question, saying they, they just haven't finalized their CapEx budgets for the next year yet. And we certainly don't expect that to be any different this quarter. Producers really aren't focused on growth targets anymore anyway, production growth targets, that is. And very few of them have stated production growth targets that are more than 5% going forward. But for maybe uh, some of the smaller Haynesville producers and maybe even national fuel resources, since they're still producing some to fill some of their uh, existing uh, firm transportation capacity. Now, overall, according to Bloomberg consensus estimate among our coverage universe or among the producers we look at, it looks like the independent producers are set to increase their nat gas production by 2.1% next year. We think, though, that that probably understates overall industry growth a bit. That might be a little bit more like 4 to 5% for U.S. natural gas production in 2022, especially when you factor in production or activity from private operators and from the larger integrateds in the form of associated gas as they pick up the pace of activity in the Permian Basin in particular. Now, what we'll be listening for from the publicly traded EMP names this quarter is whether they adjust their targeted reinvestment ratios at all. Now, most operators, they have long-term reinvestment targets of 50 to 70% of their free cash flows. Now, if they stick with those levels, 
then their capex will certainly be higher in 2022, given that commodity prices are higher and some hedges roll off next year that were underwater and that were put in place maybe last year. So we certainly expect cash flows are going to be up next year. The question, though, is will producers spend or continue to spend the same percentage of their cash flows on CapEx, or are they going to adjust that downward closer to maintenance levels? We're certainly going to be paying very close attention to that. Now, as we mentioned, there's really only so much more LNG the U.S. can ship overseas short term. But how about longer term? What's the scuttlebutt out there in the next wave of U.S. projects reaching final investment decisions? We should certainly hear more about this front uh, this quarter. We think Tellurian in particular, they're chomping at the bit to announce that they're going to go forward with the first phase of their driftwood facility. Now, Chart Industries, they mentioned on their second quarter earnings call that they expect one to four major FID announcements during the first half of 2022. These are for U.S. projects, I should say. And they specifically mentioned Tellurian. Chenier's Corpus Christi Stage 3, Venture Global's Plaquemines facility, and Semper's Port Arthur projects as the most likely four. Now, even just getting one positive FID will have major implications for the U.S. midstream sector and on potential forward market basis differentials in the U.S. Though, there's obviously, there's a lot to sort out here, and we invite you to stay tuned to NGI's LNG Insight and Forward Look publications in particular for more coverage on those. Okay, another topic that's really gained momentum here in recent months is that of responsibly sourced natural gas, or RSG. To us, this is the latest wrinkle in the overall ESG movement. And interestingly, that one cell site analyst that we know admitted he didn't know anything about RSG just six months ago, but he now calls this one of the hottest topics in the industry. We know that companies are scrambling to learn more about it and to establish RSG certifications especially since we believe this is becoming something of a prerequisite to selling natural gas in the United States, and certainly for those companies that want to ship natural gas overseas in the form of LNG. Some of the producers that discussed RNG initiatives last quarter were Antero Resources, Chesapeake Energy, EQT Corporation, Range Resources, Southwestern Energy, and National Fuels Gas. Now, you notice a common theme among those names? Yeah, they're all natural gas-focused producers. So our question is, is we're the more oil-focused guys. Permanent producers in particular have really moved the needle on their various ESG initiatives in recent quarters, particularly in the area of reducing flaring. But will more of these oil-focused names step up and embrace the concept of certifying their natural gas production? This is very important. Again, as we believe that the U.S. is undergoing a fundamental shift in the way that natural gas is bought and sold when you take the RSG certification process into account. So we're all ears on that. Shifting gears here a little bit, we certainly expect merger and acquisition M&A activity to continue, especially since the U.S. natural gas industry is generally very fragmented. And that's why we were a little bit surprised when Energy Transfer announced during its second quarter uh, 21 earnings call that the U.S. government had asked for more information about their proposed tie-up with Enable Midstream Partners. Now, while this is likely a blip on the radar screen, may this be a precursor to more scrutiny to mergers in the energy patch going forward? If so, that could be especially detrimental for midstream providers in particular, 
since we believe it will be more difficult for them to grow via new build projects in the future, given the continued capital discipline among publicly traded producers and the more difficult regulatory environment in general. So just more discussion about potential M&A activity is certainly a topic I think everybody will be interested in knowing more about. Now, the last thing that I rated for this quarter It's the continued discussion about how U.S. energy companies plan to return excess cash to shareholders. And this is my chance to be a finance geek here. And we certainly know that this topic is near and dear to the investor community, especially since it speaks to the energy industry's ability to attract capital. Now, while we expect the focus of many energy names will be to continue paying back debt in 2022, that certainly doesn't mean they can't discuss what their plans for free cash flow will be once they reach their leverage targets. The main choices companies have in returning cash to shareholders are establishing and growing a base dividend, variable dividends, special dividends, and share buybacks in particular. And we believe which option or options energy companies select may provide great clues about how these entities may be thinking about CapEx spending and therefore strategy decisions going forward. Uh, Let's focus on variable dividends here just for a second since this is a particularly hot topic right now. Some of these variable dividends have led to dividend yields that far surpass those of the general overall S&P 500. Now, the goal, after all, is to try to win back as many generalist investors as possible and to possibly incentivize ESG-focused investors that may otherwise be taken aback by the fossil fuel industry. So having that much larger than uh, average dividend yield could be very important on that front. Some of the producers that either have or are about to establish variable dividends are Pioneer Resources, Devon Energy, Chesapeake Energy, the new Simerex COG combination, Diamondback Energy, and Ovintiv. Now, we certainly do not endorse any particular decision on the capital return front. And the optimal way for companies to return cash to shareholders will certainly vary from firm to firm. However, we wonder whether the decision to embrace the variable dividend concept in particular may signal that those companies just don't plan to spend as much capital on things such as exploration and energy transition opportunities going forward. Look, that's not to say that they won't, but just maybe not as much as companies that won't be expected to pay out as much of their free cash going forward will do. Anyway, this continues to be an extremely hot debate among the investment community as the industry continues to reposition itself. And we'll continue to seek more clarity on this very important topic during this earnings season. Well, that's it for now. And we certainly hope we've helped set the table for the earnings season here a bit. On behalf of everyone at Natural Gas Intelligence, I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. And wherever you are, we wish you continued health and happiness. Till next time, y'all take care. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub & Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the resources tab to find the podcast page.